Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Love Witch. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! How are you? Good. It's not Halloween yet, but it's close enough. And this is our last Halloween episode, so let's say Happy Halloween to everyone early. Yeah, Happy Halloween, everybody. It is Um, the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most spookiest time of the year. (laughs) Um, do you you have moved house since last Halloween, so you don't know what the trick or treating situation's like near you? Do you? No, I don't. I don't. It might be lots of rowdy teenagers who are going to knife you for a, and demand pizza or something. I mean, it is one of the most dangerous things in Sussex. Is it is renowned for its violent gangs of youths, violent gangs of Tory youths. <laughs> exactly. They they hit you with a cricket bat unless you give them uh, the money to fund their tutors to get them into private school i was gonna say quail's eggs but also that that works (laughs) yeah they just throw quail's eggs at you yeah come on mate what you got in your fridge (laughs) they only accept lint chocolate yeah (laughs) yeah what are what what is these drumsticks a drumstick it's not a lollipop <laughs> the only drumstick I eat is pheasant drumstick. You cad. Have you um have you bought in some Halloween candy? Are you ready? Yeah, well, I'm we're actually probably going to be out on Halloween, oh. which is never good, to be honest. My Halloween's one of my favourite days because you just put put some spooky stuff on, put some spooky decorations up and just watch some spooky movies it's the perfect holiday yeah um but no we might be actually out which is outrageous to be oh, perfect. That, that is that is a massive outrage a crime <laughs> so it may well be that we put a bowl with some haribo individual packs out on the front step for any kiddies that, that's um, nice of you yeah well you know we don't we don't want to stop the kids from getting you know problems with their teeth yeah it's an important thing for kids to have if at least two or three children on your road haven't thrown up by 10pm, you will consider yourself a failure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They need to be hyperactive and irritating their parents. Yep. Uh, we're ready. There's a lot of small kids on our road in our area, so we're expecting actually some relatively early trick-or-treating. So I need to dig out one of the sheets that I don't care about and cut some holes in it. And then my costume will be ready. Are you going to be dressing up your child as well? Yeah, he's got a little pumpkin outfit that he's worn to Excellent. nursery this week. Excellent. So, um, yeah, he's he his bedtime's early. His bed he sort of starts bedtime about six o'clock. But we last time we got some about you know sort of five o'clock they started creeping in. So actually, he might come to the door in his pumpkin outfit and say hello, which would be nice. That would be good. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I think. The one issue with me, if I have kids at any point in my life, is that the outfit that I will be choosing will be that they are an alien chestburster <laughs> and I am John Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're stuck with that. They don't have a choice in the matter. Um, up until they're 18, that's what they, we're going with. Every year, you just make it slightly every, bigger. <laughs> every year, we just make it slightly bigger. I don't, that that um, works. That works. Dad, I want to go out with my friends. No! Get into the alien suit. I'm too big Rob to be Jr. bursting out of your chest. Shut up. <laughs> Shut like up. On, on stilts, like in front of you, just sort of pointing away from you. <laughs> Looking exactly. like a sort of grotesque pantomime horse. Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking of what other ones you could do, I suppose. Do you remember Total Recall? Yeah, yeah. Um, you have Quarto, the guy who has the the psychic twin growing out of his stomach. Oh, yeah, that's another one you could do. Or Junior. Um, speaking of Schwarzenegger films that we've seen, speaking covered. of Schwarzenegger movies, that's something you could do. You could be he could be Danny DeVito, 
and you could be Arnold Schwarzenegger one year. Are you saying my son's small and round? <laughs> All children are small and round, aren't they? <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I expect you to do that one year. Next year. Th- this year is Pumpkin. Next year, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. Yep. Year after that, Quarto. <laughs> <laughs> year after that, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> yeah, Kindergarten Cop. Um, yeah, you uh, put 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 Quarto in the show notes so people know what we're talking about because I think it's a bit more of a niche reference than the Alien. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So um, <laughs> people need to need to see Quarto in all, all his Total story. Recall, which was the original title of his autobiography that I think they didn't go with in the end, which is a shame. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that is a shame. Um, yeah, because that's that's a that's a brilliant one. Speaking of Total Recall, have you seen the the remake? No, I have not. When when was there a remake? I didn't even know there was a remake. They they um they remade it back in the early 2010s with um had an all right cast actually had Colin Farrell uh, oh, Jessica right. Biel but um it was not great <laughs> to be honest <laughs> not not good not the not the best adaptation of a Philip K Dick story. Um, and in fact, had even less to do with the original work than the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, oh, which that's is a shame. never good. Um, but Philip speaking of, of <laughs> speaking of um, sexual organs, this <laughs> week's movie um, is is the Love Witch. Um, the Love Witch is a little old movie where you can see some genitalia. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of nudity in this film. It is a it is a it is a nudie nudie movie. <laughs> it is. Of, it's a raunchy film. It's not it's not a porno, but there's there is a, a decent amount of nudity, and it's sort of in some scenes it's it's like sex scenes, but in other scenes it's sort of cultish, and it's a bit like um, the nudity in The Wicker Man, isn't it? Yeah, yeah where it's it just is. like there people are doing some cult stuff, and oh, they're naked. There's a there's a saggy bum. <laughs> I mean, if if your cult doesn't have people with saggy bums in it, is it really a cult? No, of course not. Ask ask um, so, any so, cult leader. <laughs> what did you think of the Love Witch then? I I quite enjoyed this. Yeah, mm. it was a very unique and very interesting film. Um, and it was um, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew none of the cast. I didn't know anything about um any of the people who made it. So it was a good introduction to all of their work. And I yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Had you seen it before? No, so I hadn't seen it before, but I'd heard, um, you know, very good things about it. It's one of those um, cult movies in in horror circles, um, which is um, which is often talked about. And and so I went into it with maybe expectations that were a little bit too high based on the um, based on the the acclaim that it had received. But I did think it's it's a very interesting and unique film isn't it yeah it's um that's overly stylized and deliberately trying to be like the 60s technicolor films right but it is set in the present day which is interesting it's yeah it's it's um it's interesting because it was also shot on 35 millimeter film yeah uh printed from an original cut it the whole thing was framed around being this tribute to 60s horror movies 60s technicolor films but at the same time it felt very original didn't it it felt like a, a completely original and new film which i think is a real feat and often when people try to do something like this it just ends up seeming like sort of cloying nostalgia doesn't it yeah and it certainly doesn't have that because you know i think visually and and tonally it matches those movies of that era and you know we've we've talked about movies from the 60s before on this podcast we've talked about the beatles in help (laughs) exactly this is this is exactly like the beatles in help um but you know it has those kind of kaleidoscopic effects that very vibrant color um but even the 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 way of the 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 way the 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 actors act it's very of that time um it's it's not as though they just filmed it using that equipment um you know made it visually look the same but then still had people acting as though they were in 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 a modern movie the whole thing feels like this snapshot of a previous time but like you said it does feel fresh still this isn't just a pastiche there's 
there's something more substantial to it that makes it worth watching. Everyone in this film was underacting. Nobody was going, then maybe you shouldn't be living here. It wasn't like that, was it? It was like <laughs> no, they were no, delivering exactly. lines in that very kind of matter-of-fact way um, that people used to do at the time, as was the style at the time. <laughs> as was the style at the time, um, as you as, as you say. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's... It, and and it's interesting, yeah, that you brought up Wicker Man, which obviously Wicker Man was a little bit later um, than, yeah. than the era. You know, Wicker Man, I think, was 1973, 1972. Um, but it did have that similar kind of... You mean of 2006? <laughs> of course, the, 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 original, uh, the original Wicker Man starring, <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage. I've not actually seen um, it. I've seen the original. I've, I've not, the original's brilliant. Yeah, I've I've not seen the Nicolas Cage one either. I've seen enough scenes from it to have enough of a uh, idea about it. Um, but um, but yeah, it it does have that kind of cultish element to it. But more than this sort of um, isolated cult, instead you've got these people that have that are embedded in in regular society, um, which I think was interesting. You know, it's it's paganism integrated and behind the scenes rather than this these people that have separated themselves off like you'd see in the wicker man or or midsummer um it's which makes it interesting you know you've got these people that just operate within within the confines of reality um and i think that helps its thematic elements resonate a lot more that they do that because you know this is a movie um it's got a very feminist lens on it yeah you know a, a lot of it is about um you know it's about women and it's about love. Um, and it's about and... who has the power in relationships and about women changing themselves and sort of exploring whether women should be trying to please men or not on the, the, and all of those kinds of ideals, whilst also having a lot of lines where they say things like, men are very fragile. <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> yes. kind of extremely funny the way those kind of lines are delivered, but also very, very um, intriguing and thought provoking as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, what's interesting about this is that it talks about some very complex subject matter, but it does so in such a campy way um, that it, there's something just very endearing about the way that it manages to do that. And, you know, like you said before, it's pretty unique in the way that it manages to combine those two elements. Yeah, and I think it's more complicated than it looks, than it appears above the surface. I mean, I'm sure someone out there is writing a PhD thesis on the, the feminist... Um, exploration of gender roles in this film but it's just yeah it's also hilarious like it sort of has little moments where she's doing her little fantasy things and there's there's like and it's like the guy appears as like a prince on a horse and it just really like i laughed out loud at that yeah and and you know that it it recognizes the absurdity of the movies of the era um there's the um there's the university fella isn't there who um is the first victim of the concoction yeah. that she creates professor not donald sutherland from animal house <laughs> exactly exactly um once again this is this is another example we've had lots of them recently of never trust academics yeah because this guy <laughs> this guy is a total creep um and so um you know it, his sort of constant laughing and his just very openness about being the chauvinist pig i think really works well in in this kind of campy affair that this movie's trying to portray but at the same time it recognizes that the and it's one of those one of those long-term sort of rules of, of cinema is your main character doesn't have to be good but there needs to be something compelling about them. And if they're doing bad things, you need to sort of be rooting for them against the people that they're doing them to. Yeah. Um, in some way, shape or form, you know, um, and you, and you get movies that, 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 that kind of break those rules every so often, but you've got to be very careful with them. And this one here, you know, she is, <laughs> uh, she is using, evil magic to make men fall in love with her which then kills them or she kills them or they kill themselves and then killing them as soon as they become needy <laughs> exactly but at the same time you never really feel 
um sorry for the men involved you know the first one is is this real piece of work um there's this piece piece of work professor um then you've got the husband of uh, her friend and neighbor um trish who's british who, for who some british. reason because only i don't know if you know this but only british women are allowed to be called trish <laughs> i'm trying to think of an american trish i can't think of one if i search trish <laughs> See, it's coming up with people called Trish, including a wrestler called Trish. But I don't know any of these. Who's people. clearly a British person from the cast of Gladiators in the nineties? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, in yeah, in my opinion, if there are any Trishes who aren't from the UK, they're all just pretending. Yeah, not real. Um, not real. <laughs> they're actually from the UK, and they're just putting on an accent of wherever wherever they live. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you've got you've got Trish um and her husband uh nerd boy. I don't remember his name. Richard. Um he's a he's a he's a proper nerd um who dreams of being a bank robber and and having an affair. Um and so obviously yeah. then um you know he gets given the the same hallucinogens, the same magic potions um and then falls in love with her but then yeah, um becomes obsessed. She's all like, "No mate, I don't want that." And then uh, he kills himself, um, and and then finally you've got you've got cop boy, who who she stabs to handsome death. cop man, hands, hands, the 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 chin cop I think we'll call him. He does have a good chin, got a good chin. This guy not a very good police officer, um, at all. No, and his his partner <laughs> suspects, doesn't he? Yeah, but by, by that point he's already wants wants to wants to be with the. The, the the titular love witch um and um and yeah and then he gets stabbed to death as well but it, but at every point you're you're not really thinking oh no what a monster what a pure evil person because the 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 main character is charismatic um and you know drives the plot along as well which is it's her important. story and it's from her point of view which is the key thing isn't it and so much of it in it in, amongst all of the, you know the evil magic and the murder and stuff and all the seduction, there's these conversations with Trish in the pink tea house where she's going, "Oh, men are so fragile. Men are this. Men are that." And they're talking about men in the way that like women would be portrayed as talking about men in the kind of pre Bechdel test era of film. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're trying to satirize that, yeah. and that's what makes it compelling. Yeah, yeah and I, you know that's that's a very important part of it. Is it? it does that and it it talks about these tropes from that era it talks about the trope of the femme fatale and mm. it does it in such a unique way in such an engaging way because you you know you get these movies that try and talk about these tropes but they don't they're not as incisive incisive as this film is um and you know they don't always manage to combine it with such stylistic sort of single-mindedness i suppose you know this is a movie that set out to look a certain way and boy oh boy yeah <laughs> did they <laughs> succeed you know this 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 feels like a snapshot yeah it, it feels like you've you've traveled back in time to that era but you're watching something more interesting yeah i mean the aesthetic of it it wouldn't work on its own but it's such a big part of the film and a really, really big contributor to, to why it absolutely works. It wouldn't work if there wasn't a good story and a good plot and a compelling um, main character and good performances and all of those things that make a film great, which I think this is. But the aesthetic is kind of at the top of that pyramid, isn't it? The way that mm. it does so much with colour, with sort of physical colour and with actual film than I think you could actually ever achieve with CGI. I mean, I know you could do anything with today's film technology, but you couldn't achieve this. No, no, exactly. You know, there's something about the physicality of it. There's something about the authenticity of it that just works so well. Um, you know, that nothing... You get these movies, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention your, your favourite man here. Um, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, um, I know you love. I know, I know you love. Not um, Derek Acora. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's most haunted um, would certainly be something. I would watch know. that. 
Quentin Tarantino, who always claims like, oh, I'm making movies like they used to be made, blah, 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 fucking bullshit. Um, that's exactly because... why I, I dislike his work so much, because the, <laughs> the people act like that's what he's doing and he's not. No, he's he's not. What he's doing is he's using certain tropes and certain elements of of classic filmmaking but then utilizing them in a certain way if you went back in time and showed kill bill to someone from the era of kung fu movies at their peak they'd go uh, this ain't what i normally watch they they you know they, it is different there, there's there's certain modernistic steps okay, there's in a it. lot of silly dialogue and this film is very long when does the kung fu start <laughs> exactly exactly um and and so you know whereas this movie really is an example of we have emulated and we have carefully constructed something very much of its time and i think the only thing that kind of compares and this is a very strange thing to compare it to but is garth Marenghi's dark place i was actually gonna say it reminded me of garth Marenghi's dark place <laughs> Um, Because that was also filmed using, you know, that was filmed deliberately to look like it was from the 1980s and it was actually filmed using, um, I believe it was filmed using um, actual technology from the time. Yeah. Um, And that's, you know, that's an overt parody that's designed to be a knockabout comedy. But it still has, I think, a real shared sensibility with this film at its core, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's, it's a it's the it's the focus and the method which really can which really are parallels in the two um and and dark place again you know does have it's it's a very separate and a very niche um idea but again it's a this is a this is bad 80s tv written by a hack author and that's the kind of thing it was doing whereas this is whereas the love witch is very much you know this is 60s technicolor um but also let's look more at the themes of the era and what we can learn about that and how we can turn a feminist lens on it and how we can utilize that in an interesting way to talk about power dynamics which I, which as much as I love, as much as I love Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, I don't think we can necessarily say that it had as much philosophically to say. I don't as... know, man. You listened to One Track Lover recently. That track is deep. <laughs> to quote Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, um, one of the few I people to writers... have written more books than he's read. <laughs> yeah, I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. <laughs> um, whereas, I'm a um... one track lover. Down a two-way lane. That shit's deep, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Travelling fast down the highway. I must have been insane. How's it going after that? Nice. <laughs> We've got band practice tomorrow. The temperature's we can jam it up. too high. Oh, that's right. Driving way too fast. That's how it goes. Because I knew our loving was too hot. To last, and then there's a synth solo. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, which, yeah, iconic, iconic piece of television. But yeah, Love, Love, which is a movie with subtext, and it's not a movie made by cowards. Sorry, no. Garth, you, you're wrong there. Um, but it, it's, but the, it's, the aesthetic yeah. sort of serves the same nostalgic function, doesn't it? Because with Garth Marenghi's mm. Dark Place, you're, as you say, you're harking back to something that was hacky and schlocky. Was this was in this one you're harking back to an era of cinema that was in fact you know very influential and that people probably yes, older yeah. viewers probably have fond memories of perhaps for people our age it's sort of something that we know as influential in cinema yeah one hundred percent one hundred percent it's it's you know for people of the era it's it's looking back fondly at it um and then for us it's you know maybe it's things we watched on television or on video um you yeah know, um much of which would have been horror but not it's not just about horror films is it no i mean one of the things that this most um most reminds me of is charade mm. um uh the um the we Audrey watched Hepburn, that cary grant movie yeah. um and again you know that's one of those iconic sort of technical movies of the era and 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 i think it's got a similar kind of style here um and and yeah, that's the kind of movie that this is this is this is working off. It's not just horror. 
it's it's the era as a whole it's like charade but if there were paintings of women with their boobs out in every bedroom <laughs> exactly and we had we had magic and and people just getting dumped in, the, in yeah in the wilderness and a sort um, of coven led by a sort of weird angsty man <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah for sure for his sure. character, I don't know, really, really tickled me. He was just always so sort of weird and angsty and never really seemed to be enjoying himself. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, he's a very good, that, that character's a very good sort of weird cult man, isn't he? Weird, weird witch man. Yeah, um, and he's the one who takes think- it down that sort of midsummer route, doesn't it? Where you think it's like, are they going to get murdered at this Renaissance fair thingy? But then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it, it all goes in a slightly different direction. Um, but then, you know, I, again, that kind of feeds into some of the other stuff that really works well about this movie. Like the costume design is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Absolutely and, and, nailed it. Yeah, because again, you know, it's it's challenging because it has to be the kind of thing that looks like it could be from the era, um, but without it becoming jarring to the audience. And I think recreating that kind of design is truly quite something Mm -hmm. i read Um, that the um the filmmaker um anna biller she's like a feminist mm. filmmaker and that she did a lot of the she was involved in a lot of the design of the costumes and the sets and that she spent six months making a rug for the film and it took like years and years because she was so invested in that side of it and i have to say i think that actually really pays off because every single detail in this film is just perfect isn't it yeah 100 percent. it it all you know, one of my one of the things that always sticks with me is uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, they didn't use fake blood in Night of the Living Dead. They used chocolate sauce because they found that fake blood didn't look right in black and white. Um, and whenever I think of old movies being made, I always think of that because you know it's the old it's the old mirror trick. When you look at a movie and it's someone looking in the mirror, they're not looking in the mirror. The mirror is not facing them. The mirror is facing the camera, and they're looking at the camera in the mirror. Yeah, um, because that's how you create it. And it, and it's all of this, it's all of this visual, uh, visual communication that I think this movie gets so right. Um, are there any behind the scenes photos from Night of the Living Dead of people covered in chocolate sauce <laughs> I, I don't know I really hope that. so I really hope so um, but um, but yeah it, that kind of, 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 of communication through the visual side of things is something that I always find fascinating you know it's that the whole thing about how that famous zoom in in Jaws was done by someone moving a wheelie chair while zooming the camera in um, and things like that all, all of those things where based on the technology of the time based on the way that that things were created they had to do things in a certain way and this movie completely nails that and i think getting around those limitations and creating something that feels so of that time is something truly remarkable um like like, like you said you know nowadays you can do a Marvel movie where it's a bunch of people in CGI suits standing in a field. And I mean, God zooks, what a fucking great movie. 10 billion at the box office. What Amazing. film? What is truly this? made me, truly made me cry. Um, at any of them, but I was thinking of, <laughs> of the, of, of Eternals, which is the new one that's coming out where literally all that, everything I've seen from it in terms of, in terms of, um, sort of like snapshots and trailers it just seems to be them standing around in a field wearing their tight fitting suits i'm like is is this what it's come to is is this what it's come to now um (laughs) you know if if you if you now search eternals and go to images you'll see exactly what i mean because it's not pictures of eternal the girl group (laughs) no no eternals and it's got a great cast um, oh yeah, and, it's, and a, <laughs> it's a bunch of people, bunch of people standing in a field, um, which is a bit like. I mean, I I am incredibly excited for the Wheel of Time. Have, have you seen the new trailers? Yes, yeah. I think it looks um, awesome, and I'm genuine. I haven't been this stoked about a TV program in forever, 
but the images and the trailers for the Wheel of Time are a bit like this as well, where a lot of it is just people <laughs> standing on cliffs and fields. But at least and, in the Wheel of Time one, there's like some magical gate behind them or something. And and to be fair, there's at least two books in the Wheel of Time series, which are people standing around in fields for 900 pages. Yep. Um, that's <laughs> to be what happens. Brooding um, a bit. I, I, I'm intrigued by Eternals in spite of the fact that it's a bunch of people standing in a field because it is made by Chloe Zhao who did uh, Nomadland. Oh, right. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about yeah, that. Yeah, and I've, I've heard nothing but great things. I never had a chance to see it in the cinema because it came out at that awkward time where we couldn't go to cinemas. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were really limited in what they were showing. Um, but I've heard really good things about it. I've heard really great things about her other works as well and so i am intrigued by eternals and it's got a very good cast but at the same time how limited would she have been by having to make a marvel movie yeah. <laughs> let's be honest oh, come on then johnny's in it oh yep. he's great uh, you've got Gemma chan you've got kit harrington you've got um richard madden uh angelina jolie salma hayek uh it's got a ridiculously good cast um and Lena yeah, Jolie they're... hoping to eclipse her iconic performance in Beowulf. <laughs> yeah, truly, truly incredible. Um, but um, but yeah, I think it's yeah. I'd l- I'm I'm hoping it's something interesting. Whether it is or not remains to be seen. Um, one thing that's interesting about Eternals is that um, it's meant to be that the characters from it are meant to have been around for bloody ages and they're all named things like Icarus and stuff like that. And the point of them in the comics is these are the people where those myths originated from. Um, But I think it's going to fall into the same trappings as the uh, second, what's the Harry Potter spinoff called? A Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them. Fantastic. The second Fantastic Beasts where a lot of that movie was about... The Crimes of Brumblebunk. Why did the wizards not stop the Holocaust? <laughs> um, <good laughs> For three question. hours. Good question. And it's I think not this... just that. It's three hours of exposition asking the question, why did the wizards not stop the Holocaust and not giving you any answers at all? Yeah, and, and I wonder whether Eternals is going to fall into the same uh, problems where these are supposed to be like incredibly powerful yeah. um, characters. And you're like, okay, well, why did you not only not stop the big blue fella who just snapped his fingers and killed half the world in the last movies but also why did you not stop various other truly horrific things that have happened throughout the thousands of years of human history um it's it's a difficult thing to place so i think it's 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 going to be interesting to see what it's like whether i'll actually watch it anytime soon or not i think it's out now or it's out soon um whether i watch it You've got Disney Plus, haven't you? You could sit down. Yeah, that's true. You could take a week off and watch every single thing Marvel related that Disney's created. <laughs> With my two-year-old son in the room. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think that they're, they're, they're all 12A. They're all PG. Is that right? Yeah, none of them are. There's no Blade movies here. They're making a Blade movie, but it's going to be PG. Um, no one will No purpose. one will snipe. No snipes in this, which, which in this house. Does kind of does kind of defeat the purpose of Blade. <laughs> I'm a vampire killer, but there's no blood in this movie about vampires. Um, but uh, anyway, anyway, right. What, what, Long, what long-term listeners to the program will remember that I went to the premiere of that Fantastic Beasts film. <laughs> That's right, you did, didn't you? I did, yeah, because at the time I worked for her publisher. But it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird one. It's just so long. But they've announced that the new one is called The Crimes of... No, it's, the new one's called The Secrets of Dumbledore. And if you really want to laugh, go to the tweet announcing it and look at the hidden replies, which are just all sorts of levels of disgusting. I take it it's all about um, Dumbledore being gay. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely was was there in all of the original books. It was definitely there. It wasn't something that she just added in. Um, yeah. Afterwards, uh, definitely not. Um, there definitely are not loads of issues with the Harry Potter books and the way that they portray various things all over the place. Um, as mentioned, I've I've said this many times before, but why bother reading Harry Potter when you could read the works of Ursula Le Guin? Yeah, Literally, yeah. Just <laughs> go and read, go and read her. So much better. Earthsea books are amazing and actually teach your kids something other than you're the chosen one. Goblins are evil. Elves love being slaves. Yeah. <laughs> 
there's magic <laughs> eugenics and we decide what your entire personality is going to be by putting a hat on your head. And that wizards are not going to help you with anything because they hate you <laughs> and they don't care. <laughs> exactly. Centrist cop dad Harry Potter. <laughs> That's what yeah. it is. Um, but speaking of movie adaptations of books, this feels like a good time to talk about a very good movie that I saw yeah. yesterday. Yes, I was going to say, um, talk to me about June. Talk to, June tell is, me about Space Bagpipes. Oh, June is so good. Um, it's truly incredible, completely nonsensical, does not pull any punches with the weirdness. The only thing I would criticise it for is that it does not mention that they wee and poo in their suits. Um, which is, <laughs> is made very, very, it's made very clear in the book that they wee in the suits <laughs> and they reuse that water. I appreciate um, in, that level of detail. That's, oh, Bear, Bear Grylls would be very happy with that. He'd, be, he? he'd be very happy. Uh, yeah, in the movie they just say sweat. Um, and I'm like, mate, you're pissing in the suit. It's fine. You can say that. Everyone here knows that you're pissing the suit. That's like one of the most well-known things about June. It's a sandy planet. There's cocaine in the air and they piss in their suits. It's like a night out. Night out <laughs> in London. Um <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, it's 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 incredible. It's truly beautiful, wonderful performances. Really great adaptation of the source material that doesn't treat its audience like idiots. It expects you to pick up on things. From what we've seen from the first half, it also picks up on all of the complex thematic elements of the book, um, where it kind of subverts the ideas of you know chosen one narratives, uh, strong anti-colonialism messages. Um, very subverting of the the idea of Orientalism and things like that. So hopefully right. they can they can double down on that in the in the part two and not lose their way because those are very important themes of the original work which have always lost. And some of the write ups of Dune are by people who have no idea what Dune is and often don't have said like, oh well, it's just another white saviour myth it's like no it's literally the opposite and they've even hinted at it in this first half of the story (laughs) were you not paying attention to the movie you're writing about um so i was very impressed but it's also super weird and super silly you get to see stellan sarsgaard take a bath in in balsamic vinegar and and fly about (laughs) with his little little hover backpack um you get to see oscar isaac naked on a chair you get to see um (laughs) Timothy Chalamet awkwardly walk through um, the desert trying not to disturb the giant worms that certainly look like buttholes. Um, it's You get bagpipes, space bagpipes. It's great. I'm mainly just here for the space bagpipes, if I'm <laughs> honest. I mean, they're only in one scene and then you hear them in the soundtrack here and there. You only see the bagpipes okay. once. But it's all right. I'm Less is more. I'm, I'm truly here for it. When it's, it comes to bagpipes, space or space or non-space, less is more. <laughs> You've got to use them sparingly, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was very, very impressed with it. I thought it was very well done. I'm extremely glad that we're going to be getting the part two. And it should... Apparently, they're aiming for a 2023 release. So actually, it's not too oh. far away in the grand scheme of things. It'll be here um, before you know it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I've taken crossed. next Thursday off to see it. So I'm very I'm excited. Very, I'm very excited to hear what you think of it. I'm not going to be able to fit in two films, partly because <laughs> this, if I wanted to see this and No Time to Die, they're both really long and nearly, you know, it's, both of them are about two hours 45. And then you know there's going to be 15 to 20 minutes of other bullshit that the cinema is going to make you sit through first as well. So that's six hours. You know, that's pretty much my whole day before I have to go and pick up my son from nursery. And with the timings that the cinemas have, there's no, not showing them. No cinema near me is showing any film really before twelve o'clock. So oh, I've got okay. to pick. I've got to pick one, and obviously it's June. But <laughs> you, could, you weren't tempted by by J- Jameson Bond. I, I do. I do want to see it, but I can. I can wait till it comes to streaming. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. Um, I had one look at how busy all the screens were at the moment. I was like, I don't want to be in the cinema with that many people because... Yeah, that's true. I'm hoping, you know, I'm going to go and see June at midday on a Thursday, a couple of weeks after it's come out, first week after half term. I'm hoping you'll be dead. I think I think you're probably going to have a few confused old people. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was a movie about a nice summer's day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
yeah so i think you're gonna you're gonna have that more than anything else um but yeah no i i, I took one look at the evening screenings and the, and the weekend screenings and no time to die i was like i'm not spending that much time around other people like not just because of the deadly pandemic going around but also but just generally I don't like people very much and just generally other people and james bond fans whisper yeah. they can be kind of annoying like, so a, a lot of them voted for brexit let's be honest like, June fans, weirdos eating hummus and pita bread in the cinema, probably wearing wearing open toe sandals and socks with like a yeah. a, a prog rock t shirt on. Uh, that, that's that's the demographic of June. Um, yeah, yeah, guys who like who James like Dream Theater and yeah, Dragon Force, probably <laughs> exactly, exactly. Whereas you just know going to see James Bond in the cinema is going to be full of people who are talking too loudly and not wearing their masks and just being a pain. So yeah, know, I, I I I think you've made the right call in terms of which one you're going to see. Um, but yeah, June June was very good. I'm really glad that it seems to be doing well. Um, I just yeah, I I I hope that the the second part does does the first part justice. Yeah, that's the only difficulty with this, isn't it? But it's hard to see how it wouldn't if the first part's that good. I mean, we've still got all of the weirdness of the second half of June to come, so I'm sure we're going to get possibly even more weirdness in the second half. We've got people riding the giant butthole worms, for one thing. Yes. To see. Uh, The weird sonic guns, uh, the the betrayals and the non-betrayals and all of that nonsense. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Sting's going to show up. Oh, I hope. I hope we get Sting at some point. Um, I, I have been tempted, actually, to turn around and watch watch the 1984 Gene. Um, it would actually be worth it to, to have the comparison, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. As cause, a refresher. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good movie. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. But there's something very interesting about it. It's a very odd, you know interesting adaptation that doesn't quite do the book right i suppose um and i feel very bad for david lynch obviously he took his name off it didn't he yeah um and um and yeah i think it's it it is a shame that there's sort of that pain around it for him because i really like david lynch's work in general yeah um but um but yeah i think it's it's yeah, it's it's probably worth revisiting and having a look, and and seeing seeing how much I can get out of it, because there, there's a certain campy nonsense to to June 1984. Yeah, it's a shit piece. <laughs> I mean, it is it is that's the perfect way to describe it. It is a shit piece. Um, for 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 any new listeners who have not heard us use the term shit piece before, it does not just mean a a a, a, a film that shit doesn't mean that it's shit. But it's there's a magnificence to its shit. It's something bizarre and ambitious. It's a masterpiece of shit. A, a masterpiece of shit, exactly. So the the, the iconic uh, movies that we've talked about that are shit pieces are Jupiter Ascending, for instance. Yeah. Um, which is which is our definitive shit piece. I think I don't think we've I seen think a movie so. that's, that's as shit piece as um as 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 Jupiter Ascending. Um, because yeah, you've got a dog-eared man with jet rocket boots <laughs> fighting aliens who <laughs> speak like this. Yes, yeah. oh, Eddie Redmayne with a sore throat. I'm Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> I would like to rewatch it soon. Actually, it's been, I feel like it's been a while, and I can't remember a lot of the key details. I think yeah, I remember they, they talk about bees. Eddie Redmayne really needs a throat lozenge. Oh yeah, and there's a dog boy with rocket boots. That's what, pretty much all I can remember. What more could you it. ask for? Um, and if you enjoy silly voices, then June also has you covered. Oh, good. All sorts of, of beautiful, silly voices. Um, oh, I'm really excited. Uh, so, yeah, you'll have to let me know what you think. Um, but anyway, we've got a little bit of time to, to talk about Love Witch. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, um, yes, let's get back to that. I was going to try and segue back to it when you were talking about old people in the cinema. I was going to be like, well, maybe I could talk to those old people about Technicolor films. <laughs> yes, you could do. You could do. Have you seen The Love Witch? I think you'd love it, Mabel. 
80. <laughs> Gladys, I think you'd very much enjoy a film in which a witch murders quite a few men. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's worse things to do than murder men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, did, did you find that when it got to the um, the bits where they were, they were doing the sort of witch rituals that it actually was kind of shocking? I mean, you're you're impervious to any shock, of course, but I did find some of it actually sort of a little bit shocking and a little bit scary. Not that I'm, you know, I'm not completely desensitized to that stuff, and I think the the stylized nature of it made that stuff more shocking than it might have been, perhaps, and if it was in a more horror style. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I see what you mean. Which scenes in particular? Did you find so, most? I just wrote down like all the witch rituals and stuff. There was there was definitely some blood and some mm. some bleeding, wasn't there? I think it's when there's blood, maybe. Yeah, I suppose that it's not necessarily it's not necessarily something that you used to see in those movies that much. Um, so I suppose yeah, there could be that jarring thing. I didn't personally find it scary, but then I am a soulless husk. Who's yeah. been worn down by by films in general? I'm not um, saying this film's going to scare you because it's not. But like, it's, no, yeah, no, but, the but witch you're... stuff. I think my point. I think is that the witch stuff actually really stands out well. Yes. Yeah. No. You're, you're completely right. There. It. There is a very deliberate contrast between them calmly having a chat about romance in a in a tea room, and then her. Um sort of dancing naked with blood yeah <laughs> a, there is yeah there is a definite deliberate contrast here and you know when then um, richard's dead in the bathroom and trish's long long scream kind of the way it really focuses on that scream and the way that mm. like films would have done back then kind of really lingering over stuff and taking their time over stuff as well and being quite slow it's quite a slow film isn't it it is it is yeah it's it it takes its time over it and again it it suits that pace of um it, it suits the pace of the era as well you know there's nothing bombastic dynamic here that really um would cause friction between what you think um it's 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 it is what what you think is expected of a movie from the era and what you're being seen and what you're being shown um i think it manages to yeah again walk that line incredibly well but that does mean that it it allows itself time to breathe and time to ponder over its scenes. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I thought that worked really, really well. Yes, yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree there, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Um, you know, the score I, really works as well. It's very, very mm, minimal. Again, mm. stuff from, like, from the time, that there's not loads of bombastic music all over it. It just does what it needs to do. And I think it's the perfect example of as i said earlier just uh, how every little detail and every aspect of this film works and you don't get that with a lot of films especially if they're trying to do something that is quite ambitious like this exactly exactly you know it's it's a very well structured very carefully created work here um and i think you know um it won't be for everybody because it's a very unique thing but it's yep. it's if you're not incredibly... into witches you might struggle if you're not into love, you might struggle. If you're not into love, I'm not sure why you'd be listening to our podcast, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's... Um, yeah, if, if if you are interested in the language of cinema, um, then this is a, a very interesting film to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think if, if you have any interest in, in film and cinema as a thing, then there'll definitely be some things to intrigue you, and if, unless you hate technicolor or you hate the 60s i hate the 60s it's well rubbish all that free love bullshit oh give me the beatles 80s. who are they give, give, give me the 80s and give me madness i don't know you <laughs> don't like madness no i don't hate them but their songs are everywhere and they're boring Baggy trousers. I think madness. Baggy suffers. trousers. Actually, I don't hate that one. You could, I could, I could get down to baggy trousers because that's sort of a cheeky song, isn't it? But our house is a crime against music, and like these are the most basic words just said over and over that people think is actually like a good song that actually means <laughs> anything. It's 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 meaningless. I've got 
I've got some songs of theirs that I really love. I think One Step Beyond is a wonderful, wonderful tune. Yeah, the ones um, like that and and Baggy Trousers, where it's more like you can get House down of to fun. it. House, yeah, yeah, House yeah, of Fun's all right. The, the jaunty scar stuff is very good. Our House, I think, has the same issue as... It falls into that kind of Britpop territory where the people that really love it are proper dickheads. Yeah, and I think that that's always an <laughs> that's issue. exactly right. That that's always an issue. Is the main the problem band... is not with madness. The main problem is with Britain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Madness on their own are fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan of theirs. I like I like that old school star uh, scar stuff. You know, uh, the specials as well. Like one of the yeah, best live yeah. bands I've seen. Truly incredible. Um, but um. But it's, uh, yeah, the problem is Britain and the way that British people attach themselves to moments of pop culture in an incredibly irritating way that no other country does. Yeah, Um, no other country um, in the world does what we do. Yeah, and it's really irritating. (laughs) In terms of just sheer idiocy. Like, can you put a poppy on it? Then Britain's going to love it. Oh, God, poppy season's coming soon, isn't it? It is. It's right after Halloween is is when it starts. (laughs) the most scary thing about halloween yeah um yeah what i what i do and you know because the the actual um the actual charity behind it you know does a lot of important work that really the government should be doing in terms of supporting veterans because it's not their bloody fault that they've been sent off to fight in in wars and then left with no support structure around them um so you know I, i i make sure i give money but i don't i don't wear my poppy anymore because it really oh Gets, no. on, gets on my nerves gets on my nerves yep me too i haven't worn one for years mm. um, i wonder who's going to be the sacrificial non-poppy wearer this year yep who's going to get in trouble <laughs> who's, who's going to get in trouble with the daily mail for not wearing a poppy or not wearing it quite right or their poppy's not big enough yeah or their, or their poppy's too big maybe that's going to be it this year <laughs> It's going to be so big that you can see it from space, and they'll decide that's too big. <laughs> that's too big. That's too big. This is a this is an, an outrage to our brave boys that we in the media have never done anything to support ever. Um, no, but yeah. <laughs> but how do, how the hell did we get onto this? I cannot remember. Um, right, Love Witch. Anything else you'd like to say about Love Witch? Um, just that at one point she has a Technicolor dream coat, and it looks amazing. It Everything in this amazing. film looks amazing. You can't yeah. look away because it's so beautiful. Yeah, no, 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 one hundred percent. It, it's yeah, truly, truly a, a beautiful movie. Um, and um, you know, you've got some, you've got some great lines of dialogue. Obviously, there's all the men are like children thing. Yeah. Um, uh, you've got uh, <laughs> my favorite line is is when Richard's like, "Who are you? What are you doing to me?" And Elaine, our, our, our titular love witch, says, "I'm the love witch. I'm your ultimate fantasy." It's just like, ah, oh, so good. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is sort of making a statement about what the film's trying to to say, isn't it? About how yeah, men, yeah. you know, obsess over women and this kind of thing. But it sort of flips that on its head. But also, just kind of directly says that, doesn't it? To address yeah. that, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. It does. And her um, performance was it was extremely good. I had not seen any of the cast in anything before, so that's always really nice for me as well. When I kind of know nothing about a film or anything, and it's definitely a very, very underrated film that I think everyone should see. Yeah, I think you know you're never going to see anything quite like this. Um, I think I'd seen. Um, I, I must have seen Samantha Robinson, who plays Elaine before, because she is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I have seen. Um, and she's also in Cam, which is a very interesting movie um, that, that came out, which is about um, Cam Girls. It's a horror movie about Cam Girls. And it's, All really, right. it's a really well done. It's a very, very interesting horror film. Um, and um, yeah, so she's in that. And then she's in, yeah, uh, the movie by your favourite boy, Quentin Tarantino. My favourite guy. <laughs> as well which once upon a time in hollywood is interesting it's much a film about a film about films being made about films with probably lots of swearing and stuff but also but also charles manson oh right yeah that's the one i mean there's it's got its problems and it's too long but the end of once upon a time in hollywood is one of my favorite things in recent cinema where you get to see 
the Manson family murderers being literally set on fire with a flamethrower. It's just wonderful. Um, spoiler alert for the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, everybody. But it came out a couple of years ago. You should have seen it by now if you were going to watch it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I'd be intrigued to see what comes next. It seems as though... Um, seems as though um anna billa doesn't is isn't particularly um prolific with her works um no it seems like she's involved in a lot of art projects and a lot of cool feminist activism and stuff so she seems awesome yes yeah and so it'd be interesting to see you know if she if she does return to filmmaking what comes next um so be very interested to see see what they do after 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 the love witch um i also think i've seen the guy who plays wayne in other stuff because looking through his his back catalogue i've seen a few things that he's in um, oh yeah he's in supernatural for instance ah um, which we always seem to end up talking about <laughs> we, we do always seem to talk about that um but yeah he, he's been in he's been in quite a lot but again you know it's not people that you immediately recognize here in love Witch, and i think that adds a certain quality to it as well you know, if if it was, yep. if it was Danny DeVito, for instance, <laughs> exactly. Because if you look at a '60s film like that, you're not going to recognise the people in that either, necessarily, unless it's you know someone who's really big name like Cary Grant or whatever. Mm. There are a lot of films mm. from that area where you, you know you wouldn't recognise the people. No, exactly, exactly. Like, um, what's your, what's the Dachshund movie that we watched? The little, the Dachshund? ugly Dachshund. The ugly Dachshund. It is. It, there's 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 something that it shares with this, isn't there? Well, you know, it's it's from the same era. I'm not sure if it's got uh, got too much, too much in common. An ang- angry man doesn't stand up in this film and say, "I have had it with those walking wieners." <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously, you know, there, there were some relatively big names in that. If you're a, a, a fan of of cinema in general, you've got Dean. Yeah, Jones. Dean Jones. He went from that then to playing the evil doctor in Beethoven thirty years later. So <laughs> he really grew cool. to hate dogs um but um and and then yeah Suzanne Plachette as well but again they're the kind of names where if you're into cinema you'd 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 know them but you wouldn't necessarily and you know if you take a look at those snapshot movies like the ugly Daxon, just picking a movie from the 60s off a off a shelf at random you wouldn't necessarily know who they were um and and this has that same kind of feeling doesn't it no, it is a very, very good film that I think everyone should see. Yes. So, uh, should we get on to a rating then? Yes, please. How um, many men are you going to murder with your witch stuff by peeing in jars and <laughs> all the other stuff that they show in this film? I'm going to pee. I'm going to pee in fifteen jars. I think there's. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kill fifteen literary professors. This isn't me ranking the movie by the way it's just me telling you what i'm gonna do that's what um, you're up to this weekend this is what i'm up to this weekend i'm just gonna yeah. start murdering murdering french literature professors it's halloween it's allowed on halloween oh exactly you know um but yeah no 15 for me what about yourself i'm gonna go even go one higher and go 16 because i just think it's so rare to see a film where everything really comes together like that when it has this kind of ambition and i just really appreciated that and it was a really nice one to round off halloween month for us so good yes. choice. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought I'm, I'm thank glad you for bringing this to my attention. Thank you for watching it with me. Uh, it is it's it's nice cuz it, I get like I said this isn't something that I'd seen before either. Um so it was interesting to to be able to see something new and like you said it really rounded out Halloween month well. Yeah. Oh, I'm a little bit sad that it's over. But you know, I know that you love musicals, so we have an important <laughs> month ahead. No, it's not going to be all musicals, but there are two that we need to get through, aren't there? Oh God, what's the other one? The um, the Princess Diana one. I could edit. That oh God, yes, you're right. You're <laughs> right. That was the other one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me what we're doing now, then. So ne- next week we are going to be watching Dear Evan Hansen. I don't oh, want boy. to say too much about it, but. No. It, but I know if you've come to me with a musical, then I know it's I know it's going to be something special. Yeah, I kind of regret mentioning it to you at all. <laughs> no, I was um. going to bring it up anyway. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Oh dear. Okay, well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it, and we really, really think hope that you've enjoyed our Halloween month. I think we've 
covered a really, really interesting selection of films this year and really, really interesting takes on romance in all of these films as well. So we really, really hope that you all enjoyed that. Yes, yeah. What was your favourite movie of Halloween this year? And why was it Mandy? (laughs) Why was it Mandy? Um, Are there any movies you'd like us to, to do next year? We do actually have a list of ones. Well, I've got a list of some that I think we could cover. But yeah, please, please send us your recommendations. If you'd like to see us, yeah, if there's any you'd like to see us cover, then it'd be be good to have them. Yeah, please do. And um, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. Halloween month is over, so we're now going to have a the sort of in between month before we get onto Christmas. But it'll be we'll be onto Christmas films before you know it. So hopefully you've enjoyed coming with us on the Halloween journey again and are looking forward to Christmas. But there's going to be some great stuff in between, and we'll be back next week to talk about Dear Evan Hansen. Alrighty. Goodbye. Bye-bye.